Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Travel Times from Trundle Bed Tales. And tonight is a very special episode because it's going to be sort of a combination of the regular Trundle Bed Tales and Travel Times because we are going to talk about traveling to a Laura Ingalls Wilder site. But before we get started... Check out our travel time information, and I want to make sure everybody knows that if you have a question or a comment, the chat room is open. You can also call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253, or toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. That's toll-free. 1-877-633-9389. And uh, we've done pretty well on getting back in our schedule of having the, the different types of episodes in the month. And I think with May, we're going to do even better because the interview we were supposed to do this month got delayed till next month, but I do not yet have a date. Um, hopefully that'll be coming soon. And we're going to uh, have some interesting people for next time's travel time, and it just should be a great month for Trundle Bed Tales. So I hope that you tune back in for May. And with that, I think that's about all our housekeeping. Okay. And I wanted to uh, let everybody know that if you haven't yet checked out the um, archives, the back episodes of Trundle Bed Tales, this is actually the second time that I've talked about Laura Ingalls Wilder vacations in general. Uh, the first time was just the very third episode, and I was Still making a lot of technical mistakes back then, but it's still, I think, worth a listen. And it's going to, uh, we're going to cover kind of different information tonight. Now, the chat room is open and there's a couple chats in there. So if you have any questions about travel or trips or something in particular, we can sure do that. Or if anybody wants to call in, that's something uh, we'd also be like to talk about. But I want to kind of just give sort of a little bit more background because what I have found is uh, talking to people is that a lot of times people go to do a Laura trip without having had um, a lot of background in what to expect. And I think knowing what to expect really can help you get more enjoyment out of uh, the tr trip or whatever you're, you're planning to do. And the previous episode, I kind of went through and talked about specific things at this home site or that home site. Now, I might get back to that tonight, but I wanted to talk about some basic stuff first. And first off, I wanted to talk to you about books that you should have with you. Now, the first 
there's really three things I think you should take on any Laura trip. You should take the Little House Guidebook by William T. Anderson. Now, there have been three editions of that, but the updates are really incredibly minimal. So it doesn't really matter which edition you have. Also, bear in mind that they do not constantly update it, so don't necessarily trust any of the museum hours given in it. Check ahead for that. But it does a great job on taking you through and showing you what is exactly available to see at each home site. It doesn't cover everything, but it covers most of things. And I can tell you that the first time I read the Little House Guidebook, I, I had gotten it, and I was at home, and I was reading it, and I was like, oh, that was there? I could have seen that? Oh, that was there? I could have seen that? Oh, I didn't know that was there. And so... <laughs> Don't be me after I've been to the home site for the first time. Read about it ahead of time. And don't try and keep everything in your head, especially if you don't talk about it a lot. It's going to be hard. Have the book with you. Refer back to it. Check things out. It's the way to go. Now, the second book that I recommend is called The Diary of Visits by Evelyn Thurman. Now, this one, sadly, is getting a little hard to find. But if you can find a copy of it online, the library or whatever, bring it along too, because even though things have changed uh, quite a bit over the years, there's, um, and it's more sort of like in the format of I was there this year and this is what I saw, I was there this year and this is what I saw. It really has some suggestions for things you can do and see that aren't in the Little House Guidebook. So I really strongly recommend that you have both and I always take both whenever I'm going to a Laura site. And then the last thing is to take along a blank notebook. And this is something that uh, my former boss at Usher's Ferry, Vicki Hughes, got me started on. And really, uh, I am ever so glad that she did. It Basically, you can take along a notebook and you keep track of where you were and what you saw. You've got a place, like when you get the tickets at the various lower places, you stick them in. You can make little notes about how long it takes you in here and if you like staying at this place or if you like staying at that place or about this far has a good restroom. And, you know, if you are not going to be back for a number of years, that really is good information. And also it can kind of help you keep track of what you've seen, what you wanted to remember to do, like things you learned. And I always recommend those taking those three things. So you've got the Little House Guidebook by William Anderson, you've got the Diary of Visits by Evelyn Thurman, and you've got your own notebook of the trip. So take, make sure you have all those things with you. Also, take along a paper map for each state you're going to be in. Uh, I know GPS can be wonderful, and it, but it really doesn't do a great job of helping you figure out where things are related to each other. So especially if you're traveling to multiple home sites, take along the paper map. They aren't that big, and I think it really is worth it to have it with you. Okay, so talking about basic travel to the home sites in general, a lot of people coming from the coasts of this country or from foreign countries really don't have a good picture of what travel is like in the Midwest. 
And while we used to have, in Laura's time, uh, the, and for a number of decades afterwards, one of the best public transportation systems in the world as far as train travel, that is no longer really the case. Uh, there is still Amtrak, which does do passenger trains, but for a bunch of reasons that I'm not going to take time to go into now, passenger transportation really is barely non-existent. There's barely existent. None of the Amtrak routes go through the Laura home site. So forget about public transportation. Um, bus routes do not go to all of the home sites. Now, I've heard some people who actually uh, take taxis. For example, a question recently came up about how to get to Walnut Grove, and they said that they have had people uh, fly into Sioux Falls, take the bus, to Marshall, Minnesota, which is as close as the, uh, a bus company runs, and then take a taxi from there to Walnut Grove. But really, if it is at all an option for you, unless you're going with a tour group that's taking care of the transportation, you're going to want to rent a car. Uh, it just, that is the basic assumption behind how all things are laid out in the Midwest. In, especially between the, the urban areas, is there is an assumption that you will have a car. And even if you get to one of the home site towns, while it's certainly not impossible to do a town, say like Dismet, all on foot, and in fact I, I do recommend that you do at least part of it on foot, you start doing things like pageants or at night, and do you really want to be walking along uh, the highway in the dark? I don't think most people, and, and these are pretty good distances. So, for example, if you go to, again, Matt the Ingalls Homestead, really not far out, that far outside of town. Uh, oh, I didn't measure it, but I think it's probably maybe a mile from sort of the town center where Lauren Almanzo's home site was, homestead was, is about two miles. The tree claim is about a mile beyond that. The, the uh, cemetery is in a slightly different direction outside it. It, it just, it, there's distance. No matter what you do, there's going to be distance between you and what you want. So while it isn't impossible, really, it's set up for cars. Get a car if you possibly can. Now, the other thing, which maybe, um, I, I sometimes just assume I don't have to tell people, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. The, all of the Laura home site towns, and by home site, I mean the entire town where Laura lived. Some people use it much more, um, meaning with a small, much narrower definition, talking about the actual museums, but I tend to talk about it in terms of the towns. And they're all small towns. Now, they're not all small, small. For in, instance, Independence is a county seat. It's pretty decent size. But... If you, for the most of them, these are are towns that are not um, going to be providing tourists with a lot of amenities. If you're going there for the Laura experience, you're going to get a, a sort of Laura experience. Uh, their interstates don't go directly to uh, the home sites, and 
while interstates in between them are four-lane, high-speed, mostly 70 miles per hour. A lot of the, to get to the actual home sites, you have two-lane roads. If you've ever read, uh, there, there's a book by William Leastheat Moon that I just adore called Blue Highways. It's going to be the blue highways. There are two-lane roads getting into anywhere. You have to go small, slower. Uh, you have to drive farther in between towns. There may be partial places where you're going to be driving, driving on gravel. So just embrace that going on. Um, I once talked to somebody in uh, with Listserv, and they couldn't believe how small Mansfield was. And, and this surprised me because it's one of the larger home site towns. And we talked and we talked, and she kept insisting how small it was. Well, she was comparing it to London. Yes, the home site towns are going to be a lot smaller than London or New York or Chicago or Des Moines. Uh, they are small towns, so bear that in mind. Another thing uh, you should be aware of is Midwestern weather. We get some of everything here in the Midwest. And while most people are traveling during the uh, summer months, so you're not going to have to worry about ice storms or blizzards, it can be interesting. Most especially, you're going to want to watch out for heat warnings because we can get very hot. And you know how uh, you hear people out in the Southwest talk about, but it's a dry heat. Well, this is the wet heat that they're comparing it to. It can get really, really hot. So um, make sure that you have appropriate clothes. Make sure you got water with you. Stay hydrated and um, have hats because the shade honestly does help. Also, uh, try and keep... Um, a weather radio with you if you're traveling. It isn't an absolute necessity, but it's a good idea. Your listen, your concern would be rainstorm and tornadoes. Uh, I have been in route to Alora site, and it has been raining so hard, I have to pull off on the side of the road because I literally can't see. There's also been one time and when we were coming back from Keystone, where we could see the green tornado-esque clouds behind us. We didn't actually see the tornado, but where we had supper, when we came out, we turned on the radio, and there was a tornado where we'd had lunch. It isn't something that you have to be really afraid of. I don't mean to, to scare people, but it is something you need to be aware of and be prepared for if it happens in your alternatives because uh, it is a little bit more extreme here in the in weather conditions than it can be other places. Now that doesn't mean that you won't necessarily just have a lovely visit where it's highs in the 70s, just a few nice puffy clouds, no rain whatsoever in the majority of your visits because that is really my, my experience most of the time. But um, People who aren't used to Midwest weather can panic or they can take stupid chances and just make sure that isn't you. Now, as far as population centers go, my uh, I'm in eastern Iowa. My mother's steadfast rule was that if we were traveling south and east, it was okay not to have a hotel reservation. But if you were going north and west, 
you definitely wanted one. Now, people, some people camp. So having a campground reservation counts the same. That's fine. And there are actually lots of opportunities to camp. Actually, if you are a camping person, it will be easier for you to find a place uh, to stay in a lot of the home sites than it would be if you were, like me, preferring to have a motel or a hotel. Uh, not that there aren't options, but there are, for example, in Walnut Grove, you can camp right in the town square. Or you can camp out at Lake Laura right by the Walnut Grove that the town's named for. And there's all sorts of opportunities for camping like that. But where, however you you want to stay, make sure you do have a reservation because um, because the population is less, the number of places to stay are less. So you want to make sure you've got a spot in mind, particularly if you're doing a pageant, because a uh, number of visitors in the home site town spike that, those weekends. And it also can be a bit of a challenge to, um, if you're at a pageant that's going till say, 11 o'clock at night, uh, like they often do, you don't want to be driving around at 11 o'clock at night trying to find an empty hotel. So definitely have your reservations first. Uh, as far as eating goes, there's sort of a progression of restaurants that you see in towns. A lot of small towns might only have a bar that would serve food, or sometimes there would be a gas station that would serve food. Moving up from that, there are Subways, which is a sandwich shop. Above that, uh, Hardee's or Carl Jr. They're called Hardee's in the upper Midwest because uh, the Hardee's chain was bought out by Carl Jr.'s, but the food's pretty much identical. And then Burger King, and then finally McDonald's. If you get a McDonald's, it's a fairly big town unless you're right on the interstate. But that kind of gives you a progression of what you can expect. Uh, you also might want to take a time and look for grocery stores. It's kind of fun to check out what people who actually live there have for, for food options and to get some real food at, at a grocery store that's a little healthier than some of the other options and to take a picnic out to Plum Creek or to the Ozark Hills or overlooking Lake Pepin is really a nice thing to do. There are also, of course, uh, non-chain restaurants around. A lot of family-level places, sort of a neighborhood restaurant level, which are are fine. Some of them are actually good, um, but you need to go in with that set of expectations. It's like a neighborhood restaurant level. Don't expect too much. And a couple places, for example, Pepin, because it is basically a weekend getaway for the Twin Cities. They just have phenomenal restaurants there. I mean, they're all wonderful, way more than a town of that size should normally be able to support. Um, so there are restaurants, but always kind of as you're traveling around from home site to home site, be aware that, say, oh, I'll stop at the next restaurant. It might be a ways down the road. So just bear that in mind, and that's where the maps come in. One of the places you can sort of see where the next big town is, how long it would take you to get there. Because a lot of times, you know, the next town 
if you're in a town of any size, the next town may be of equal size, maybe an hour down the road. So it's something to bear in mind. A lot of the home site towns, again, are making efforts because there's extra people there those weekends. And so there's going to be a lot of concession stands open, too, at the various places. Now, uh, warning. Uh, public restrooms. This is something a lot of people, I think, in urban areas don't think about much, but public restrooms are really a big service. As you're traveling through the Midwest, uh, a lot of times what serves that function are the fast food restaurants, and they kind of expect it. I mean, they like you to buy something, but they kind of know people sometimes just stop and run in. Also, gas stations and um and also rest areas. And a word about the rest areas, this is something that I discovered a few years ago when I was on the bus tour that Baroque put together to go out to Malone. I hadn't done a lot of driving on the East Coast, and I was kind of amazed how big rest areas were, that in a lot of places there would be actual, well, multiple restaurants within a single rest area. And they'd just be huge. As you come farther west, those get further and fewer, uh, further apart and fewer in number. And by the time you hit the DeKalb, um, they have an actual name for it. It's like the DeKalb Way Station or something. But, but that's sort of like the last one of those that I have hit coming west. So, once you get past DeKalb, Illinois, expect a rest area to basically be a rest area, a place where you can pull off on the side of the internet, uh, interstate. They'll have places to go to the bathroom, drinking water, fountains, usually some kind of vending machine. Sometimes they'll have travel areas for travel information, but not everyone, not too many. The ones in Iowa have free Wi-Fi. Go Iowa! You will find that is not true about pretty much every other West Midwestern state that I've come across. But if you're in Iowa, rest areas have Wi-Fi for the most part. You will also occasionally see a rest area that will say something like parking only, and that's normally where the truckers pull over and sleep when they need to. Not that they don't pull over at the other ones too, but they do sometimes. And or it may say something like no modern facilities. That means there's no bathroom. So don't get too excited if you see one of those and that's what you need it for. Uh, for lodging information, when you're on these trips, I did mention that there is a lot of camping, but there are also uh, normal museums. You, you want to check with the museum's website at whatever home site town you're visiting. And if they have a Chamber of Commerce or Visitor Center, check that out too. A lot of them will have hotels or motels, if not right in the town, then in the surrounding area. Bed, bed and breakfasts are also pretty big in the Midwest. and there's a lot of options for those as well. And as I said, there's camping. Now, you're going to want to uh, do a lot of planning. One of the first Laura trips that we took was one that my mom planned for me for a birthday present, which was great. 
And it was really wonderful. And it was a surprise because I had seen the card she was sending in to AAA. This was back when you got AAA information. They're sending in postcards. And it said it was made out that she wanted information to drive from Pepin to Maple Grove. And I had no idea what she was talking about and told her that, which was a good thing because it was actually Walnut Grove and she had just made a slight error when she was filling out the card. But they got it corrected. But when we got there, I hadn't done any research on Walnut Grove, really, on what there was to see and do. She had found out that there was a pageant, so we got tickets to the pageant. We looked around the museum, which was much smaller then. Somehow, I, I don't think we went out to the dugout site. I don't think either we, we hadn't heard about it or the way they described it at the museum wasn't really didn't really make us want to go out there. And I'm not, I can't tell you for sure which one it was. We walked around downtown um, Walnut Grove. There was a little uh, antique junk shop we went to, and that was fun. And we uh, saw the uh, Walnut Grove Tribune offices, although sadly it was already closed up. But there was tons more stuff that I could have been doing in Walnut Grove other than just walking around the downtown. If I had known, we also I hadn't found out about the pageant suffers which uh, in Walnut Grove, there is a community center, and every night that there's a pageant, a different service group takes over and has a um, serves a meal that you buy tickets to. It's just like kind of your normal um, church or service group kind of supper. Um, but we missed out on that. We didn't need it in LA's. I mean, there was lots of things we could have done if we would have planned. So my lesson from that, oh, and our other big non-planning thing was, um, We'd been down to Mansfield once, and I wanted to go back for a second trip for when I was about 16 or so. And uh, and my mom just assumed that uh, – uh, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because uh, Patty Collins is in the, the chat room, and she, she just uh, said it was a tree. Nice, Mom. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Uh, so we were, she had, we were going down for uh, my 16th birthday, and she just assumed they'd be open on Sunday. We drove down on Saturday. We're going to spend all of Sunday in Mansfield and then come back up on Monday. And at that time, Mansfield Museum was closed on Sunday. That is no longer the case, but it was then. And so we'd driven, we'd driven basically nine hours for uh, getting to see the outside of the house. And I visited Laura's grave again, and it was very nice, but uh, not exactly what, what uh, I was hoping for out of the trip, which I should say, since I, I said those two things, I should say I really do appreciate it. I know how lucky I was to have a, a mother who really believed in supporting our kids' interests and in taking us to the home site. I mean, it was because of her that I got to all of them. So I really do appreciate all her efforts. It, it really uh, – and those were the only two mistakes that, that she made. But it, they are mistakes of planning. So make sure you take the time to plan ahead of time. Go through and try and find out what there is to see on your own through the guidebook, by checking out the website, by looking around and seeing what other people have posted and talked about, things that you may want to see, and then prioritize them. Because, frankly, most of the places, if you dig deep enough, there, especially if you go during a festival, there is going to be more than enough 
to keep you busy all day for at least. So look at what you have for options and prioritize which things you really want to get done first to make sure that, that you uh, at least get those done because I can tell you every single Laura trip I have ever taken has not been long enough. Every single one I have come away with a list of things I want to do next time. So just accept that that will most likely be true for you too. And um, make sure that you put the time in to know exactly what you want to do when you get there. Uh, the one thing about Laura Homesite Towns and fans that I think is the biggest disconnect is that people tend to kind of think they're going to get there and they're going to be handled sort of a package that, that this is everything there is to do. And while they try to some extent, I don't think that is really a safe assumption to make and that if you just go by um, – what you find out when you show up in the town, you are most likely going to miss out on some pretty cool stuff. And you'll be reading a little guidebook going, oh, no, you mean I could have seen that? So don't do that. <laughs> Plan your trip. And if you do have any questions, you can always find me on the web, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Google+, Plus, on, uh, well, I've got videos of, of trips I've taken on YouTube. Uh, you can send me an email at info at trundlebedtales.com. I'm always answering questions about Laura trips, and I am very glad uh, to do that to try and help people have a better time because the way that these home sites stay open is people visiting them and if and selling things in the gift shops. And if you want there to be a home site for you to visit later, you want to encourage people to go as many as you can. There are home sites all over uh, the country, really, and I think all of them are worth visiting, and I would strongly encourage you to if you ever get the chance. And if you've got questions, let me know. Thank you for joining me tonight in a special episode of Travel Times, and I am sure we'll be talking about Laura Ingalls Wilder travel yet again. Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.